I want to say good morning. My name is Gio Garces. If you're visiting with us, it's great to have you here. We are doing a series called Taking Responsibility for Your Life. Wow. Okay? It's, it, the whole point of it is like when you shirk or don't do what you're supposed to do, someone else has to be responsible for it. You've, got, you've experienced that at work. You've experienced it at home if you're a parent. Mm. If you're a parent, now you're, you're, you're happy the teens are in the class right now. You're excited they're here going, hey, they, my kid needs to listen to this. So it's all about taking responsibility individually as a person. And so um, when we shirk it, someone else is going to have to pick up the pieces. Today's topic is about embracing your responsibility. Giving it a big hug, right? Uh, as kids, I'm sure your kids say this, they, they always hear this phrase, It's not fair. That's not fair. I hear that a lot. And we as parents say, life is not fair, right? Suck it up. Get a box of straws. What? And suck it up, right? (laughs) You know, fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. It ended there. Okay? There was no fair anymore. And the truth is, whenever someone says they want fair, they only say it because they got the smallest piece of the pie. You know, we do it too sometimes at work, going, that's not fair, because if I had the bigger piece, I wouldn't be saying that. But since I got the smaller piece, I'm going, that's not fair. And unfair can quickly become an excuse for being irresponsible. I'm not going to care then. I'm not going to care. They gave me this. I don't care. And we have this, this notion that we can be irresponsible, even though things were unevenly distributed in our life, in our work, and in our family. So the real issue is not, is it fair, or how do you make it fair? The question is, how do you respond to the uneven opportunities in your life? You are responsible for your response ability. Your ability to respond to what's been handed to you. It's called response Ability. Look at your Bibles in Matthew chapter 25. We're going to look at and do a little study today on embracing your responsibility when it's uneven. When life's not fair. We're going to take a look at that. But we are responsible for how we respond to what we've been given in life. Okay? Let's look at that word for a second. Response. Ability. Even when you put a hyphen, it just changes the dynamic. We don't choose which opportunities we get. We just don't choose them. We always choose, though, how we respond to an opportunity. Right. We don't get to pick them. They just come by. But we choose how we respond to them. We are responsible... To God, if you're you're a Christian or claim to be one, you're responsible to God in how you respond to situations or respond to things that are uneven. And in the book of Matthew, in in chapter 25, uh, Jesus does a parable, a series of parables, to help us understand the relationship between our lives here and God. And he addresses directly our responsibility to respond appropriately to the unevenness of of life, especially uh, when we've grown up with some challenges. Mm. You may you maybe you had a brother or sister that grew up with a medical challenge. Maybe diabetes. Maybe you grew up without a father. 
Maybe you grew up without a mother. Maybe your parents died early. I mean, there are, there's so, so much, the list goes on and on and on about the unevenness. You know, I, I, I wasn't born into the Gates family or the, you know, Bill Gates. I'm not Bill Gates' son. I'm not Warren Buffett's son. That'd be nice, huh? Be his kids. My parents aren't wealthy and rich, right? So everyone's got different situations. So in, in this situation here, we want to look at the scripture in Matthew 25, verse 14. We're going to read it together here. All right. All right, verse 14. So Jesus is giving a series of parables. and So he goes, again, it, meaning the kingdom of heaven, it will be like a man. He has a story. It's going to be a man like going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. Can you imagine that? The master giving his servants all his wealth and then leaving. And these were just servants. And I'm thinking... What an amazing opportunity for these guys. And, and, and Jesus is saying, this is how God does it with us. Jesus left to go to heaven and he entrusted us with his entire, the story is, the entire wealth, the servants. The word entrusted implies he expected them to manage his wealth the way he would. He's giving his servants his wealth and he's expecting them to manage it the way he did. They were his servants. They got to see it. They got to witness it. So in verse 15. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability. You know, the ability to manage this was how they saw him do it. That was why he gave him five bags, two bags, and one bag. You know, a bag of gold was equivalent to 20 years of work as a servant in Mediterranean times. That's a lot of money. Well, then, the guy with five bags, like he got five, I mean, that's a lot of money. In our, in our day, 20 years of working in, in just a regular job, that can almost equate to a million dollars. Imagine getting, a, getting that kind of money being entrusted to you. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more bags. You know, he put his money to work at once and then he traded. He did something to gain. Something that duplicated it. He did something with it. He either invested it or, or did it. He traded with people and he gained more. He gained five more. Because that's what he knew his master expected of him. He said, my master expects me to do something with it, so I'm going to do it. In verse 17. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. He did absolutely nothing. Each of these guys got five, two, and one. And you look at that on the spectrum... They, un, they got uneven opportunities. The five-bagger got, well, he got a lot. Then there's a two-bag, and then there's a one-bag. Just like in life, opportunities are uneven. They're not the same. Life is not fair. How are we going to respond to what we've been given? Right. Maybe you're a five-bagger, and you can take your wealth for granted. You can take your incredible life for granted and grow up selfish and self-centered. Or maybe you're a one-bag guy. 
hey man, I, my dad, my, my dad wasn't involved. My dad died. My dad wasn't even around. My grandma, my grandparents raised me. These are uneven. And he's talking about how our response to these challenges, our respondability. How do we respond to the unevenness of life? Because we live in a world where life is not fair. and It's not going to be fair. How are we going to respond to what God has given you? Now, now, I was looking through some articles in the, on, in the paper, or online. There's no longer any more papers anymore. Papers are like obsolete dinosaurs. But I was looking for, for, for just articles about how people respond unevenly. And one, one article I found in California, a young man um, grew up, came from, Viet- from Vietnam over here with his mom and dad. His father left when he was a child. His mother obviously was left, with, put her into poverty. She would drive him to school four miles away, and have to, and she didn't have enough gas money to go back. So she most likely stayed, most times of the week she stayed at the school until school ended to just take, take him home because the gas money was scarce. That's how poor they were. And so, here he is. He had an uneven opportunity. He, had, he was a one-bagger. But he had an opportunity still. He was fatherless and poor. And he graduated with a 4.7 GPA, valedictorian, and he got a full-ride scholarship to Harvard University. That's awesome. wow. He took, with, with, with the odd stack, he got that one bag, that one uneven. He got a five, he didn't get a two, he got a one. His respondability was this. Most people would make excuses. Oh, I didn't have a dad, I'm going to go drink and do drugs. Oh, who cares? I hate society. His response was different. Amen. It was different. And, and, it, and it struck me because that's a good example how life is uneven and it was unfair to him. But he doesn't choose his opportunities. He chose his response to these opportunities. That he could control. Yeah. That he Amen. could grasp. His respondability. Now, just think about for a second... God's church, okay. if you're a Christian. God has entrusted the church to you and to me. Mm-hmm. Amen. Okay? Think about what a privilege. The God would go, Jesus goes away, says, and I will build my church with you. When we think about our sinful nature, going, wow, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. You would even give us that. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with what Jesus has entrusted to you as a Christian? What does he think he expects you to do? You know, it's, it's amazing how much of our world that's out there that we try to fight against gets, gets brought into the church. Yeah. It's, it just gets brought in. And, our, and then so our responsibility is diminished when we do that. When we work, and we work for our job, and our job is our work, it diminishes what God entrusted us with the church to do. For those with families... Is this summer going to be about just your family? Are you going to are you going to dig a hole and bury yourself with family activities? We have an oppor- we have an opportunity this summer to really do some great things with our family, yeah. but also with God. What God expects us to do. Amen. One thing that God expects the Christians to do in church is to spread the gospel and the message of Jesus. Amen. That is the primary thing the church is supposed to be doing, and other things like of that nature. Amen. What are we doing with it? It's a golden opportunity. How about those without children? 
What are you going to do this summer? Are you going to focus on your hobbies and yourself? <laughs> Dig a hole and bury yourself with self-interests? It's a golden opportunity if you don't have children to either. So the question is, are you taking responsibility for what God has entrusted you with? Well, I'm not one of the leaders in the church. That, 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 that means you have a golden opportunity to do something for the church, with the church. God, it's your church. God gave it to you. Every individual in this room, it's yours. It's not mine. It's yours. It's all of ours. But working together in concert, we get to accomplish great things. Sadly, some of us in this room, we've dug a hole and we've buried ourselves and we've filled it with excuses of why we don't do anything. We make excuses for we, why we don't, why we're not doing better spiritually, why we aren't changing, why we don't read our Bibles, why we don't pray, why we don't share our faith, and we make excuses. And we look and see, see over there, and that's a part of the church, they're not doing nothing either. And just another excuse. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because you know, people that make excuses usually are very accepting of other people's excuses. Yeah. It builds a culture of it. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah, it's a good excuse. Yes, I, I feel the same way. And so, so the church becomes this culture of excuses making. And nothing gets done. And the reason why I'm saying that is because this. Because in the Bible it says, Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Why? What's the rush, Gio? I got plenty of time. Jesus, He ain't coming back anytime soon. You may be right, because in verse 19, look in your Bibles, after a long time, the master of those servants returned. And not only did he return, it says, it says he settled accounts with them. He wasn't just back like, hey, it's great to see you, buddy. Hey, man, I missed you, man. He's like, hey, it's great to see you, buddy. Now let's talk. Let's settle the accounts. I gave you something. Now we got to settle it up. He left expecting them to have done something with what he entrusted them with. This wasn't simply a bag of gold he gave them. That's just a story. What he gave them was an opportunity. In verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master! You've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, you've entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. He got the same response for two bags of gold with the guy who got five bags of gold. It was, God was complimenting them on what they did with their opportunity. Not about the monetary, because five and two doesn't equate. The guy with five would have had more than two. It's, he encourages that, they, hey, it was an uneven opportunity, but you both put it to work. Yeah. That's what pleased God. And then verse 24. The man who had received one bag of gold came. 
Master, I know that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and, and where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. You know, this guy, he wasn't given as much as the other two, and that's not fair. What am I supposed to do? He's like, I'm afraid. I mean, when you hear someone say, I'm afraid, you're usually like, well, that's pretty serious. He's afraid. The Bible says to encourage the timid, uh, help the weak. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it sounds a good Yeah, it sounds, it sounds legitimate. You're afraid. I mean, it sounds... Like a really good, I was scared. I mean, when your kids get scared, you're like, oh yeah, they're scared. I mean, i got to encourage them. He's just scared. He was scared. He hid it. Let me, let me hug you. That's what I, you know, when someone tells you a good excuse like that, I, I was scared. You know, how are you supposed to respond to that, right? In verse 26, his master replies and says this. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. God is God sees right through the I was scared. Right. Yeah. I was scared. Because right. the one thing God does know, He knows you. Yeah. I may not know the all the insides, what's going on in your heart, and I sometimes I'm wrong when I start judging motives, like, oh, you mean this? And no, I wasn't at all. God knows. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Amen. And so we know as humans, we buy the I'm scared. Yeah. Share my faith. I'm so scared, you know. God says this. He says you're lazy, right? This guy was lazy and he was wicked. So you knew that I harvested where I do not sow and gather where I don't scatter seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. I mean, imagine putting $600,000 on deposit Mm -hmm. just for a couple years, right? Get some help, in other words. Get help. So when they returned, I would have received it back with interest. God is never faked out by our excuses. You may fake out people in this church. And you probably are a master at it by now. You've made so many excuses, you're good. You're good. You, you have a good reason why you never read your Bible. And why you never pray. You have, you have awesome reasons. I, w- I get up at 5 a.m. I have to work at 6 You have amazing excuses that we will go, man, that's a rough life. But to God, He's going to come back and He's going to settle an account with you. You, not in the group. You, me, He's going to come back to Gio. Gio, did you do what you're supposed to be doing? uh, I hope so. (laughs) Hope so. God knows your situation very clearly. That's right. And He says it's, it's usually not fear that's the issue. The culprit is laziness. Oh, no. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this servant, he embraced, he refused to embrace this philosophy. Things that are important to God was initially important to him. I thought kind of servant he was. God gave him an opportunity and he was lazy. Maybe he had other priorities. Man, I'm going to bury this responsibility and do what I want to do. Maybe he did that. Yeah. Maybe he just uh, he wanted to have, be with this. You know, I'm going to spend the time. How I want. I don't want to be all gaining stuff and trading. I want to. I want to. I want to just have relax. So I'm going to put it away. I'm going to give him back what's his. Maybe he thought that. Verse 28. The master replies to the servant, "Take the bag of gold from him." <laughs> <laughs> 
and give it to the, to the one who has ten bags. For those who have will be given more, and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where they'll be weeping and asking a teacher of frustration. The master takes away the servants who, who did nothing with it, and he gives it to the one who had ten. In other words, he gives, these, he gives more opportunities to those who are going to put it to work. You know, he blesses the opportunities. Oh, you're taking advantage. God blesses it. He goes, give it to that guy. Give it. He'll know what to do with these opportunities. He'll know what I expect of him. God strips away. When people start reading their Bible and praying, they usually don't get better spiritually. In fact, they rarely ever get better spiritually. I've never seen a guy going, I'm doing the best spiritually I've never read my Bible or pray. That's right. They're the ones that... Life ebbs them away. They disappear. They stop coming. Because God is taking away what was entrusted. We've been entrusted with salvation. And eventually that will erode into nothing and you'll lose it if you don't put it to work. That's what this parable is about. You know, a lot of you guys in this room, you had some tough situations and you overcame them and now you're a Christian. Amazing. Now you've been entrusted with salvation. Amazing stories in this room. The most important verse of this parable is verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and he settled accounts with them. You know, when it happens, we get to give an account to God. When He comes back either when we're alive or we're dead and we give an account for how we lived our lives. For the diligent servant, it was, I get to tell God what I did. For the lazy, oh man, I have to. Do I have to? Because when you're lazy, you have to. You hear Christians say, oh, I have to go to church. I have to read my Bible. I have to give contribution. I have to give to special. Oh, I have to help the orphans. That's the lazy. The diligent goes, I get to? I get to help the poor? I get to help the orphans? I get to help give to God? I get to help? I get to? Amen. Man. Because he will settle accounts. And you'll get exposed as the, I have to? Or, I get to? We want to be the people that I get to. Amen. I get to tell God, hey, I, I, I did this. It was awesome. It was great. Benjamin Franklin, Franklin, I'm reading his autobiography, says this. He that is good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. Wise words from a very funny man. Very funny autobiography of Ben Franklin. He was good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. We have a little bit of time with some uneven opportunities. Let's do something with it. Because to whom something is given... Something is required. So let's take responsibility for our lives. Really. Thank you for listening. Have a good afternoon.